Welcome back to the Family Movie Night podcast, where we want to help your family have better conversations around the content you consume. We are on episode 53, and today we are talking about a a really fun family film called Spies in Disguise, which uh, not only is uh, apt because it is about a spy named Will Smith, who is one of the, uh, not named Will Smith, played by Will Smith. His name his okay, let's just be honest though. The character's name might as well just be Will Smith. Because I don't care what his name is. I called him Will Smith the entire movie. Uh, yeah. But he is a super spy, Lance Sterling, uh, and his uh scientist Walter Beckett. They're almost exact opposites. Lance is smooth, suave, and debonair. Walter is not. But what Walter lacks in social skills, he makes up for in smarts and invention, creating the awesome gadgets Lance uses on his epic missions. But when events take an unexpected turn, Walter and Lance suddenly have to rely on each other in a whole new way. And if this odd couple can't learn to work as a team, the whole world is in peril. And they kind of buried the lead in that description uh, the problem they come across is that Walter turns uh, Lance, Will Smith, into a pigeon. And so this movie is about a spy who is in disguise, but also a spy who's in the skies. So there you get two uh, little puns there. But uh, before we get into talking about this movie, I want to talk to my wonderful co-host, the hero of our podcast, uh, Will Smith himself. Have you been Will Smith on this podcast yet? Have we done a Will Smith movie, Donnie Dorsey? I feel like in contrast, I have at some point, I mean, I feel like it's just, it's the inevitable, like, cause he's the, you know, the constant hero. So basically, basically, unless you are a cheek that needs a slap, yep. uh, unless, but, unless yeah, it's a heel turn, unless it's a wrestling heel turn, <laughs> <laughs> we just ignore it. We ignore it. Uh, but honestly, that's a pretty good, I hadn't even thought about that connection, but what a good connection for the themes that we will be talking about today uh, in t- t- in terms of how do I deal with conflict. Uh, but this movie talks about that a lot. Will Smith did not take his own advice. Uh, he but was very Lance Sterling in this. That's right. So, <laughs> so Donnie, the hero of our podcast, is Will Smith in Spies in Disguise. Sawyer... <laughs> The villain of our podcast is Will Smith at the 2021 Oscar. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not the worst one. It's not the worst villain. I no, it's not. Yet. You still get to look like Will Smith, and that's yeah, exactly. I was about to say that's a and I won an Oscar, so like that hey. is true that they somehow let me still accept. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, that Very is so good. bizarre. That will never not be the weirdest thing that ever happened. Oh. That is true. That is that is a weird thing. All right. Of course, the mom of our podcast, Heidi Cooper. Uh, Heidi, uh, how did you feel watching Spies in Disguise? Did you watch this with your kids? Yes, I actually watched it with all three of my kids. And it was so Whoa! much fun. Yes, it was so much fun. We laughed so hard. And uh, I think it was funny because a lot of times, like the younger, it has some like adult humor at times. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think sometimes like the younger kids would laugh at stuff that me and Jackson were like, wait, what did they, did they understand that? You know, <laughs> so, that was kind of funny, but yeah, my six year old totally loved it. And, uh, the other two, yeah, they really enjoyed it. But I think Abel, it was a little over his head. He's three. For, for those who uh, are new to the podcast and maybe don't know, the reason we had such a strong reaction is 
Heidi uh, has, well, you just said a six and a three-year-old, but you also have what, a 19-year-old? 19, 19-year-old yeah. Jackson, yeah. who is out of the house. So, so, uh, but you guys got to watch this together as a whole big family. How much fun? Yeah, it was awesome. Well, very cool. Well, before we get to talking more about Spies in Disguise, Donnie Dorsey, why don't you tell them what we do on this podcast? Yeah, so on this podcast, we encourage every family at Community Christian Church to have a monthly movie night to help you and your children build memories, start conversations that'll matter. Now, the goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know that critical to that is for you to have a routine, regular time of connection and shared experiences that'll help you build stronger relationships. Yeah. And, uh, you know, movie nights are great opportunities to do that because movies are not only an easy way to share laughter and joy together. Um, and, you know, fear and sadness as well in a safe environment, but they also give us a chance to talk about what matters most to us in ways that are meaningful and memorable with our children. And on this podcast, we want to not only recommend some movies you can watch on your monthly movie night, but uh, give you some ideas of meaningful conversations you could have with your children during or after the movie. And as always, the point of this podcast is not to give you one more thing to add to your to-do list as parents that you are going to feel guilty about not getting to, but we just want to make it easier for you and your kids to enjoy being together and then hopefully build some memories and have some conversations um, that matter. And so throughout our podcast today, remember, we just want to have fun and help you think through simple and easy ways to share your love of Jesus with your kids. And uh, we think this is a great movie that's going to help you do that uh, because this movie not only is a lot of fun and is really funny. So if you've got young kids and as Heidi's already said, I think this is funny enough that, <coughs> excuse me, if you've got both young kids and older kids, like some teenagers, I think there will be enough. There's enough humor, but I think some of the action is kind of inventive and fun enough that it will hold their attention. Uh, it's not like. I wouldn't say quality level that it's not on the level of like an Incredibles, but has kind of a feel of the Incredibles and in that the action's kind of inventive um, and there's lots of humor that's kind of laced without. And so um, I think all of your kids will enjoy getting to watch this movie. And there's some great themes that we're going to talk about that whether you talk about it during the movie or these are just some things you can bring to a conversation with your kid, I think are going to be really helpful for your family as far as following the way of Jesus. Uh, but before we get to that, I just want to talk about why this movie is good, why it's fun, what we enjoy about it. So let's start with uh, Will Smith of the previous year, uh, the villain of our podcast, Sawyer Hewlett. Um, did this movie work for you? Uh, was this the first time? I think this was the first time you had seen this movie. Yeah, this, this is the first time I had seen it. Um, yeah, it worked for me. Um, I think, um, you know, Will Smith and Tom Holland do a good job of backpacking the movie. They are you know, look, they're just two really charismatic actors, and that even comes through just in their vocal performances and stuff like that. Um, really good. You you mentioned it, the action. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Um, I was honestly dreading this movie when I heard the the concept. Like, I was like, oh gosh, like it'll be good for little kids. Um, and I like. We'll and I will say there are lots of, as you could probably imagine, there are a lot of pigeon poop jokes. Yeah. So you just um, have to when, stomach this. Yeah, I, I am I am not the biggest fan of a good poop joke, but uh this one is loaded with them. And so I was I was kind of dredging through it all. But uh but no, I, I actually did end up kind of liking this movie. Um I would not say it's one that I'm gonna like revisit anytime soon, but like it's definitely 
it, it, it's just a charming movie. I don't know how else to describe it. It's really fun. The humor we've also talked about. The humor is really good. Um, yeah, I, I got. I, I would. I would recommend it for a family with kids. I wouldn't recommend it to another single twenty-six-year-old dude, but like, not much that I would. I just want to make a list of movies Sawyer's recommending to single twenty-six-year-old dudes. I don't know. <laughs> also, they all also coincide with our family movie night podcast. <laughs> I was say, what is this? What is this genre of movies? I don't want you to answer because because I don't want to get into that, and I'd like you to keep your job. But Donnie Dorsey. Uh, resident funny man on the podcast. Uh, what what worked for you on this? I gotta imagine this movie was a slam dunk as far as humor. Me, you have spoken several times about your love for Will Smith and as an action hero, as a comedy guy. Uh, what worked for you, man? Was this a slam dunk? Yeah, I think it definitely was a slam dunk. I think they did a good job of building up the characters. Like they they gave you things to invest the care in in the characters to make sure that you actually cared about what was going to happen next. I mean, from Walter, you know, and his backstory that would eventually play out in the movie and also watching, you know, Sterling kind of going through his metamorphosis of sorts. Like, I think it was, I think it had levels to it. I think for like, you know, for adults watching it with their kids, I think there was a lot of entertainment, some good comedy, some, some strong comedy. Um, and I think for the kids, there was action and there was, you know, there was jokes that were on their level and the visuals. Cause I know when I was watching it um, with my daughter, like she was very much like, she was like, Oh, this is awesome. And this is cool. And she was deciding who was like, Oh, that's terrible. Why is he doing this? And like, she was very engaged in the movie and the plot and the story. So like, Definitely highly recommend. Yeah, I'd say I watched this movie the first time in 2019. Chris, it came out around Christmas. <clears throat> and I watched it with all my kids. So in 2019, I had a seven-year, no, uh, she had just turned eight, an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a four-year-old. And we went to see this movie. And um, they loved it. They thought it was really fun and really good, but I could tell at the time like the plot they were kind of losing it a little bit they just mainly liked the pigeon flying into things and all that kind of stuff but this time watching it they were really invested in the plot also thought it was very funny so i think really any any age group in that kind of thing is really good here's a couple things i will say about the movie <coughs> that were shocking to me here are some actors that are in the movie that i did not realize made a cameo in the movie reba mcintyre is in this movie yeah, completely bizarre there. What's she's, she's, the she she's, she's the director, yeah, the director of the spy agency. Yeah, joyless. Oh. <laughs> and then Mossy Oka, who who for fans of the uh the early 2000s uh heroes on NBC, he was Hiro Nakamura, the uh guy who could freeze time. So that was a big deal. Somehow brought him back in 2019. Uh and then Jones. Rashida Jones is yep, in this yep. movie. Mark Ronson is in this movie. Music producer Mark Ronson plays some special agent at one point. If you like Uptown Funk, that's Mark Ronson. Was so, he the one who had was talking about his uh, like his sneakers? I think so. I think yeah. I didn't know any of this. I'm looking through just there all the different people that are in this movie. It's just absolutely nuts. All the different uh, character actors in this, but uh, and then Mark Ronson. <laughs> <laughs> All the actors and Mark Ronson. So uh, Heidi Cooper, uh, you already said your kids enjoyed it. What what was what was the highlight of watching this movie with your kids for you? 
Um, yeah, so I think like, well, obviously the highlight was having all three of them with me. Yeah, that's pretty wonderful. So that was, yeah, that was fantastic. But um, I think it was just like, it was really action-packed. It moves quickly. There's lots going on. And um, Sawyer, I'm so sorry, but poop jokes are fantastic. I yeah, have to disagree yeah. with especially you there. If you got, especially if you we got little kids. Oh, it's something man. everyone can laugh at. Yes, because they just like belly laugh at anything. Yes. And then when he laid an egg, I literally thought one of them might eat our pants. That was amazing. <laughs> we laughed so hard. Yeah. He was like, what's that? Oh, wait, you laid an egg. You're a girl. You're a girl now. <laughs> it was amazing. Yes. Yeah, we loved it. I think so. I think the humor was the most fun just because I love laughing with my kids. Like it just is so fun. But I think it's also cool because like um I have really different personalities in all three of my kids, but um especially my two boys and to see them respond differently because they are very, very different. And so they responded differently. Um you know, Jackson is, he's the older, obviously the, the adult one and loves messing with his little brother, but Abel was taking it very serious. Like the humor was not, he was not about the humor so much as he was about like these two spies completing their mission. And they, yeah. And he, he liked that, uh, that, you know, they did it in a different way. They're, they dealt with conflict in a different way and they did. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great segue right here. So we all would recommend that you see this movie, especially if you've got younger kids. But even if this is one of those, uh, they call them four quadrant. I think you will laugh. Uh, your teenager will laugh. Your children will laugh. I think you'll have a good time. So this is good, especially as we're getting closer to the holidays here. This might be a good if you're all just sitting around the house, not knowing what to watch. It's on Disney+. Plus. You'll have a good time. But we think there are some really good themes in this movie to kind of bring up that would be an opportunity for you to talk about Jesus's way of life. And here's what we mean. Kind of the, I I would say the central plot mechanic of this movie being that he, uh, Walter turns Lance into a pigeon. The reason that happens is because Walter creates different kind of uh, inventions, right? He is supposed to be, for those James Bond fans, he's the cue for James Bond, right? He's supposed to be creating the car that has uh, rocket launchers coming out of it. And he's supposed to have the watch that, uh, that uh, you know, has something to strangle someone come out of it or, you know, some kind of weapon. He's creating inventive weapons. But what Walter continues to create are these inventions that solve the conflict they're in in these unique and non-harmful ways. These non they don't hurt the bad guys. They just end the conflict. They make things in. And there's a part in this movie where this is kind of the central conflict between Walter and Lance uh, is Lance says, you can't fix the world with a hug. He thinks the way you fix the world. In other words, what he's saying is love is not the solution to a problem. Sometimes you just got to be the spy that goes in and kills everybody, all the bad guys. And that's how we're going to fix the world. The good guys kill the bad guys. And then all the good guys get to live. Now, obviously your kid is not going to be a super spy having to deal with whether or not to uh, take out uh, an enemy combatant or not. So we don't think that's the thing to take from this. The thing we want to talk about is that Jesus offers us, uh, his followers offers human beings a new way to deal with conflict that, uh, and I love this. This comes from a whole stream of Christianity referred to as Anna Baptist, where they talk a lot about what's referred to as the third way of Jesus, that Jesus will set up these scenarios. 
very famous one, right? If a person slaps you on the right cheek with their right hand, right? And what does he say? He says, you turn the other cheek. Well, there tend to be two solutions that most of us think of in that situation. There's one. The first way is punch them back. They slap you, you slap them back. They call you a mean name, you call them a mean name back. They, you know, they hit you, you hit them back, all that kind of stuff. Then there's a second solution, which is kind of kowtow and someone slaps you and you say, thank you, sir. Can I have another? Or you completely avoid the conflict and run away altogether, right? And those tend to be the two ways. But Jesus offers an approach that is a third way solution, which is how do I stay in the conflict without retaliating with violence or pretending like it's not a problem? And Jesus' solution is if someone slaps you on the face with their right hand on your right cheek, which the only way I take my right hand if I'm facing you and slap your right cheek is to backhand you across the face, which is a very demeaning, dehumanized, I'm not even punching you, I'm treating you like you're dirt, is to turn my cheek and say, if you're going to hit me, you're going to treat me like a human being, which deflates the whole escalation, right? Jesus is offering a third way approach, which is I'm not going to fight you, but I'm not going to let you treat me like I'm a person who doesn't matter. That's a third way solution. Now, what we are suggesting you talk to your kids about is how do I have normal everyday conflicts? Because for the vast majority of our children, even children who are being bullied in today's world, it is not often physical violence that they are coming up against. It is usually other forms of conflict, verbal things, emotional things. Uh, sometimes it's just people ignoring you altogether. Or in your home, hopefully, the situation is not anything that's regular physical violence between siblings or anything like that. We are talking about mostly how do I handle conflict in a Jesus type way? So Donnie, I talked a while here. Why don't you start us off on why do you think it's important that we're, we even talk to our kids about how they have conflict? Why can't we just, whatever happens, happens. Um, it's important because, well, one conflict is going to come up regardless of how much, we don't want it to happen it will come out and so learning how to handle it in a proper god-honoring way is very important because when we're when we're faced with conflict we have like you said multiple ways that we can address it and if we don't address it appropriately it can really kind of have almost a poisoning effect on the rest of our relationships and our interactions because then we treat the conflict in in inappropriately or incorrectly in every relationship we enter into like maybe it's maybe you have conflict with your sibling and you always kind of retract it you know and you don't really do anything maybe that's the same way you go into your business settings and at your job and when someone disagrees with you but you have a good idea you immediately recess and you kind of demote your own opinions and your thoughts and your feelings to being lesser than other people. Yeah. Well, and I think vice versa, if you're naturally an explorer, I think they're really, I mean, there's multiple types of people. I don't want to be, there are two yeah. types of people, people who <laughs> separate people into two types of people, people who don't. <laughs> so it's not that there's multiple types of people, but yeah. I think in general with conflict, uh, you can kind of broadly categorize our approaches as um, what are now I didn't realize this until we've kind of done a lot of um, uh, foster care training and those kind of things that when you're in a situation where there's a conflict there, it's not fight, flight, or freeze. Those were the ones I were taught. 
the mm-hmm. fight, flight, or freeze. There's a there's apparently like six now, but the 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 big ones are fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And fawn is you become the very like I'm going to praise you, I'm going to flatter you, I'm going to. That's how I deal with conflict. Is I try to smooth my way through a situation. So there are people who fight. I see a conflict coming. There may not even be a conflict, but a sense one's coming. I'm going right for it. There's mm-hmm. those of us who run away and I want to avoid it all we can. Some of us see a conflict. We don't know what to do. So we choose to do nothing, which is a choice. Choosing to do nothing is choosing. Mm-hmm. People are like, I don't want to choose at all. Choosing to do nothing. It's your choosing. Everyone else gets to choose. Yep. And then the final one is, or I fawn. I become a schmoozer kind of thing. And all of those approaches are not actually the loving approach, right? There are times where what is the loving approach is to drop it, right? And what we might look at that as being flight, right? Some things don't have to become conflicts, right? And I can just drop it and go, that's not that big of a deal. My ego was in the way. That's why I got offended. I don't have to bring anything up. And sometimes that's a loving thing, right? Sometimes a loving thing is to face it head on. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to speak my mind. I'm going to do all this. But what's most important is for me to be loving. And that's what we want to teach our kids. That's the way of Jesus. And the truth is, I won't ever find Jesus attractive until I learn that his version of love is attractive. That if what I think Jesus is coming to do, right? And so I look, and you can look at Bible verses and have it, right? Jesus says, I did not come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. And so what all of us hear is Jesus thinks I'm perfect just the way I am, which isn't what Jesus said. That is not what Jesus said. Right. Or others of us hear verses where Jesus came. Right. And he's and the truth will set you free. And we think, well, then I'm going to speak the truth and set you free. (laughs) And none of those are necessarily the right thing. But what I have found often in our world. Is that and I'll say in relational worlds, I've had this happen to me and I feel it within myself to want to do it. We tend to think that conflict by itself is sinful. That if I am in a conflict where we are disagreeing and maybe even emotions are getting heated and I'm a little frustrated with you or I'm hurt or I'm disappointed or someone's hurt or they're disappointed with me or whatever, that conflict is the problem. And so then what ends up happening is you have this conflict. It gets ugly. Lots of ugly things get said. And then someone texts you or calls you and says, hey, I'm sorry that we fought. Yeah. And what gets taken from that is we shouldn't have ever fought, but maybe there should be conflict. So can we talk about that beginning part of this of when it, when do we want to teach our kids when conflict is appropriate, that there are times that conflict is appropriate and it is the loving thing to do. Does anyone want to jump in there on how do we want to teach our kids? Hey, here's a scenario where, where conflict would be appropriate. Sawyer, it looks like you have something to say. Yeah. Um, this is actually something that my parents uh, did really well is they always framed it. Like there are people that you should have conflict with and people that you shouldn't. And like, they, they did a good job of being like, you can like talk about anything with our family. We, we are, we are not afraid of having any conversation is the thing. Um, and they did a good job of being like, maybe with these people, don't have every conversation, have most mm-hmm. conversations with, with these kinds of people and stuff like that. You know, think about like our youth leaders or our peers and stuff like that. Um, and, and it actually, they said you can have any conversation with your youth leaders, but like they, they're like with your friends, maybe don't air out your problems that you have with Kellen or, or Gracie or Gibby or whatever with your friends. Okay. Maybe, Those are your um, siblings who for being, yeah, so, yeah, sorry, sorry. That's my brothers and my sister. Yeah. Um, you know, um, they did a good job of just framing like basically 
find where you can have your conflicts and then have them in honest and loving ways and stuff like that. And they taught, they did a good job of teaching us how to, um, like early on, just how to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations and stuff like that. And then as we got older, they were like, Hey, like, gosh, they, they noticed that like me and my brother would like end up like fighting, fighting about everything. And they were like, Hey, you guys need to like chill out and stuff like that. And so, uh, just figuring all that stuff out. They did it. They always did a good job of really emphasizing conversation. Don't be afraid to have it, even if it's tough. Um, well, and I think what you're saying there, and I heard, I heard. So one thing I heard from what you said, I think is really good is that it's not wrong to have conflict, but there are boundaries around what makes an appropriate conflict. Like, yeah, so, so like exactly. I take me and my wife, me and my wife, it might not be the most appropriate setting at a Christmas party for me to unleash all the, a conflict that we've had in our marriage because yeah. and i'm not even saying like it's wrong what i'm saying is it's not helpful neither one of us can have an honest conversation when there are 30 people we barely know but that's often what ends up happening with a lot of conflicts i'm going to eke out some passive aggressive comments in front of some co-workers in front of some people that i know i'm going to cut because i'm really frustrated but i'm going to guise it in a joke right those things so there are places where it's not appropriate uh or it's just not helpful it's not helpful to have a conflict yeah. the other thing i thought that was good which is to help our kids understand conflict is just a conversation. Yeah. It's just a conversation. And some conversations are more emotional than others. When I talk about things, and this isn't conflict, when I talk about things that make me sad, that's a higher emotional conversation. Like I'm going to be more emotional than when I'm talking about what candy I got for Halloween. And it's okay that that's emotional. Cause I'll say this, we would say the same thing to any dad that's uncomfortable with his daughter crying. I've just had to learn this. I have to get comfortable. It makes me uncomfortable when people are just crying all the time. And I live in a house with five women. Someone's crying almost all the time. And it's appropriate for me to just say, hey, it's okay for me that you're sad. And this is something that's making you sad. Or you're really emotional. And so you're crying. But I also think it's important. I would say this. I think it's temperaments go across both boy and girl. But it tends to be this way a little bit more for boys. It's okay if you're angry. It's just okay with me if you're angry. Like, if you're heated and you're loud, because it's really hard for some people, and I'm I'm talking about myself, to be frustrated and not be loud. But if I'm frustrated, I'm going to be loud. And for my girls to understand, sometimes daddy gets loud, and that doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. That doesn't mean that he's, like, angry at you. He's just loud. And it's okay to say conflict uh, is going to happen and it's going to happen in different ways. So there are places where conflict is appropriate. I would say one, uh, did anyone else want to jump in on things that we should tell our kids, Hey, you, sh you should be okay with the conflict in this situation. Yeah. I think, um, one thing that I try to like encourage my kids to see is that like their behavior, when it causes conflict within, you know, our relationships with each other, that this is like our practice ground, you know, like mm, this is where good. we get to work some hard stuff out that if we figure it out with each other um, and, you know, remember that we all love each other, we are all in this for each other and we want the best for each other. Um, I think it's a lot easier, you know, like with my three-year-old, like one of the things I say to him a lot is I say, just pause and find mommy because he's an external processor. And so he needs to say things like, I hate you all. <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. I don't want to be a part of your family anymore. He's only three. I, it, it would be foolish for me to say, you don't say things like that because 
then it teaches them just don't say them out loud, but you can still have them in your heart and don't process them because he's the kind that needs to say it out loud to be able to correct those lies and start saying something different. I'm super mad at you, but I don't hate you. I love you. You know, like that's the thing that I want him to get to. But it took me, I was in my thirties before somebody taught me as an external processor how to pause before I speak, you know, and yeah. and it was I it was unfortunate for me and anybody who was in a relationship from with me probably <laughs> that I didn't learn that till I was in my thirties. But yeah, with my with my kids, I think you know just teaching them little things like with my daughter, you know she she will accidentally hurt her younger brother and then she gets mad just because he's hurt because she actually feels bad that she caused a, a, you know, pain or discomfort, but she acts as though she's mad. And I'm like, wait, he didn't hold on. You're mad at him. You know, and when I rationalize it with her and just kind of talk through it, then those emotions kind of can take a a backseat or whatever. And they can realize like, he didn't actually do this. He didn't cause this, you know, things like that. And, and they can move past it. But yeah, I think it's, it's, that reminding them, you know, and each other and ourselves, you know, cause it can be really difficult to be the one like, you know, mitigating and, you know, like mediating all of this, the conflict and stuff. But yeah, I think it's just really important to remember this is all practice. This is where we learn and hopefully develop habits that we can go into, you know, teen years, adult years and, and relationships past that and, and do better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think what's good about, oh, go ahead, Sawyer. Well, well, I was just going to say, like, I like the idea of that practice ground, Heidi, because like something that like, my parents also like really established is like um the safety of our home and like how like this can also be your healing place where like, you know, you're at school. that That's like the capital of conflict in a kid's life is the thing, um, especially when they get into like junior high and high school. It's like all that there is is conflict. You know, your friends are always like arguing about something whether it's like serious or, or sarcastic, it doesn't matter, but there's always a conflict going on at school. And like my parents did a good job of like being able to like almost like stitch us up and stuff like that while not sugarcoating a lot of it. Like they, they were not making us like, they weren't like hiding the truth from us and stuff like that when it came to these conflicts. Um, and, and that's that, you know, your idea of a practice ground is just such a good call. Heidi, that that's going to always be very, very good. Thanks. Appreciate you, Sawyer. Well, and I think I think the important thing about conflict, you know, Sawyer, you said that it happens when you're in high school. It happens every day of your life. Um, and it, and it happens when you're a kid. I, I have never seen two three-year-olds play and it not be only conflict. Uh, it is the only thing they do is conflict. The problem is, and I think this is where we get as we get older, is because we think conflict is something that is... I mean, even saying the word conflict, I can tell everyone's kind of like, mm, bad, conflict, bad. I grew up in a house where conflict was normal. Conflict was normal and healthy and good because conflict is honest. Because there are no, and this is what Jesus is trying to get us to. There are no people that you see eye to eye with on everything. Those people don't exist. Try it. Get married to someone. Get married to someone. Literally anyone, and you will be able to disagree with them. Yes. 20, 30 minutes past the honeymoon. That's right. I mean, if you made it that far, there are no people that you agree with, and it is not healthy to pretend like you agree when you don't agree. And all that conflict is, is when I disagree with what I want to happen. 
I and and this is what James says in this book. The reason you have so many quarrels is because you did you want something and someone else wants something different. But the problem is you're not honest about it, and so you fight and you grapple and you try to get what you want. And what we're trying to teach our kids to do is to say. Hey, let's learn how to have good conflict. So one thing that's not okay is name calling is not okay. It's just not okay. It's not okay to call names. And I think Heidi's point is right. I don't want to guilt and shame my kid for saying it so that they just start saying it inwardly. But it is appropriate for me to teach you, hey, here's what that word means. Here's what that word means. So when you say I hate you, what you're saying is it wouldn't matter to me if you're dead. And you don't actually mean that. What it is, is that you reached for even at three, you know, because I've said this to my three-year-old the time, you reached for the, the most extreme word you could think for. Your brain is searching for what's the most extreme. It isn't actually describing how you feel. Because even in that moment, because I remember, so for those who want to get it set, this is a, a Becky Martin parenting technique right here that I'm sure should be had for. My brothers and I used to say we hate each other all the time. I mean, because that's what kids do. Like I said, that's what all kids do. We say we hate each other all the time. And my mom just said, hey, you know, I'm tired of hearing that. That means that you would be okay if they're dead. So she went and got a kitchen knife, <laughs> handed it to my brother and said, stab him. If you don't care that he's dead, stab him right now. And of course, you know, my little brother, and I'm terrified because I'm like, well, this is it for me. <laughs> It's over now. This is going to be it because I'm like nine and he's like six, but he's six. And what does he do? He starts to cry and he drops the knife because he doesn't actually hate anybody. He doesn't actually hate anybody. He doesn't really, you know, one of the things I'd say this to one of my girls all the time. They go upstairs every time something happens. I hate this day. This is the worst day. And I said, that's a better thing to say. You can hate this day. You can wish this day was over. I said, but you know, when you have these things, I want to teach my kids. And like I said, you're, you're not trying to shame anyone. I'm not coming, you ungrateful little blah, 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 blah. Like that doesn't help. But to sit and go, hey, I understand you're really angry. And I understand that this was the word you thought was bad. Do you know why this word hurts people though? And you don't want to be someone who hurts people. So, so what could you have said? My wife is one of the best people I ever know at this, making kids do do-overs. When you do it wrong, we're going to do it. So she makes them go back and say, Instead of saying, I hate you, what should you have said? I'm really mad that you took my toy. It made me feel like you didn't care about me and I wanted to hurt you. Well, now that's, and so the other day, and this is, this is just a long way. I, and I, I praised my daughters for this. It blew my mind. Cause like Heidi said, I don't, I know 30 year olds who are married who can't do this. My daughters are upstairs playing in the room. Three of them are upstairs playing in the room. And one of them, they come down and they're storming downstairs. Mm, they're coming down with that intensity. I'm like, oh God, this is bad. And they're going outside. And I said, I thought y'all just said y'all wanted to go upstairs and play. And one of my daughters, <laughs> and she's crying. And I'm like, oh God. And, she, and I can see, this is my daughter who normally bursts out in anger. And she stopped her sisters and said, when we were upstairs and you told me that you didn't like the way that I did hair, that made me think you thought I did bad at everything. And that really hurt me. And it made me think that maybe I'm no good. And then my other two daughters look at her and say, that's not what we meant. We love the way you do hair. What we wanted to say was we don't want to have our hair done right now. And we want to go outside and play. And I'm just watching the whole thing happen. And they go, I am so sorry that I would hurt you like that. Those aren't what I meant to say. This is a six and an eight-year-old talking to a 10-year-old. 
how would that change your marriage if that's what happened? When, when, when your spouse said, why isn't dinner ready? And what you heard was, you worthless piece of crap. Why can't you ever get anything together? And I disrespect, I know you have a job, but your job's not as important. And that's what you heard when they said it. If you just said, hey, you know, when you said that, this is what I heard. But like Heidi said, that only comes about because my house is a practice ground. <laughs> I love the term practice ground. It's a practice ground. But as we say all the time, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Practice makes permanent. And if what I learn at home is not how do I express myself? What are the ways I want to? Because I see this in marriage after marriage. I'm reaching for the most emotionally impactful thing I can say that will tear you apart. Heidi, the other day, uh, rewrote one of our, um, she was performing one of our uh, video things, was writing some of the language in it. And what was the way you said it, Heidi? You said something like, um, we were talking about conflict and the way you say it on the video is something like, you you choose an arrow that you know will land because you know the person. Because you know the person. Yeah, you know how it's going to hit because you know the person that you're talking to. Yeah, and I think that's something that like has come up for me and my husband. It's like, you know, we've known each other for uh, several decades, but been, you know, in relationship with each other for about one. And um, I think one of the things that, you know, I kind of want to say, like you, you were talking about how you grew up. That was definitely my upbringing to everybody was really loud and they all had very strong opinions. Um, and my husband and I tend to not really be like that. So we are more, both of us are pretty conflict averse and he, it, but it took years for us to figure out that the way that I respond to conflict is that it makes me so uncomfortable because I am conflict averse that I want to address it immediately and I want it over right. immediately. Right. Let's get this over with. Yes. Whereas he's conflict averse in a different way, the way that it looks like you're conflict averse, where he's going to avoid it at all costs. Well, he's just like out in the garage being work. like, everything's fine. Yes. Like, yes, nothing's going on here. Nothing to see. You know, like, let's just pretend like, like he can, he can do something and know that I'm mad at him, but not want to bring it up just in case I didn't notice. Like, it's like that, you know? Um, and so for us, like, I think one of the biggest things is like, when he sees me address something, him being able to remember that I'm only addressing it because this hurts me too. And I don't want to do this any longer than we have to. And when I see something, you know, he's avoiding something or I bring it up and, and he doesn't, you know, he is direct. And that's one of the things that has helped us is always talking to each other initially and saying, Hey, look, you know, I know that we didn't handle that the way that we'd like to. Are you ready to talk about it again? And we have full freedom with each other to say, I can't do that right now. And I think that's probably like one of the most helpful things because I'm, I'm a, let's fix this right away. And he's a, let's avoid this as long as we can. So that's like kind of our, our middle ground, you know, for, for dealing with that. And I think that's helped us a lot. And I think the thing you're saying there, Heidi, that I think is huge, which obviously like that's a spouse relationship. So that's a little harder to like teach your kids because y'all are committed to each other for life. So I, I, that's it. But the, what's unique in that, that I think is a really good approach is the honesty behind it. What I have learned, and I just didn't know this because it wasn't the house I grew up, their houses that are loud. And I want to make this clear because I know their houses that are like loud, we are talking about, but the kind of conflict that is happening is ugly and mean and hurtful. My home was a loud home 
But and and this is something I really respect. People who've known my dad forever, the one thing he gets a lot of stuff wrong. The one thing he will always be is honest with you. He is going to tell what he thinks and what is true. And I did learn pretty early on what's most important in a conflict is being honest. And so even what Heidi said right there, which is I'm I'm upset. And you're not a if I'm not going to be a loud person, that doesn't mean anything. I'm going to address the conflict. I'm going to say, I want that's honest. I want to talk about this. Will you be honest enough to tell me is now a good time? And me saying now's not a good time is not saying I never want to talk about it. It's just I had a long day at work. I'm emotional and 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 I want to get some other things done. But what often happens is because I'm not being honest, I pretend like, oh, yeah, let's just get this over with and I want to get it done. But now's not a good time. And I'm trying to honestly manipulate what you think about me by pretending like I'm open to the conversation. So what I try to say to my kids all the time, and that was what I was trying to communicate with the I hate you thing is when you say I hate you, that actually isn't what you mean. You don't actually mean I hate you. What you mean is I'm mad and I want to hurt you. And so I say to my kids all the time, so what you need to start saying to people is I'm mad and I want to hurt you. And 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 that that's honest. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. Because when I actually have to say the words I want to hurt you, that's where repentance can happen because immediately when I say it, when I'm standing there with the knife and someone says, stab your brother, I immediately see how ugly that is. But when I storm up to my room screaming, I hate you, I feel kind of powerful. And it doesn't look ugly. And being able to say, hey, there are some things in conflicts that Jesus wouldn't have a say. I don't storm away. I don't yell mean things because those are the two options we think. I storm, I yell. There's a third way, which is I stay in the conflict and I honestly talk about how I feel, no matter how ugly it makes me look. Or maybe, and Donnie, you said this before about, and I want it before we were recording, and I want you to kind of hit on it this idea of I will speak the truth to you, and I'm not always trying to protect your feelings. What you use this idea of people saying, I'm protecting their feelings, and it keeps them from speaking the truth. Can you talk to that? So, like, I think a lot of times we think it's the idea of, like when we're talking to someone, we say something that is really kind to kind of sugarcoat kind of the idea of what you're talking about with the fawn. Like you say something really kind to avoid giving them truth, but you're not being loving. Like it's a quote that I, I mentioned, like it's truth without love is mean, but love without truth is meaningless because That's you're good. not, because you're not actually adding value or giving value to the person you're talking to. Because I value you enough that I want to be honest with you, but I also want it to add value to you. I don't want to take away from who you are with my truth. Because that's why when people say, you know, I heard this in a message is that the idea of like, you know, people call it truth bombs because their intention is to destroy something up and destroy. But I don't want to drop truth bombs. I want to give truth in love. Because that's more valuable. That's more loving. That's more Christ-like because I like I can say a hundred words and I could be truthful, but I have to also understand, am I the right person to give this truth? Am I, is this the right time to give this truth? And am I the one, is the truth that I'm saying, is it worth what I'm doing? And yeah. a lot of times we don't do that because we're like, oh, well, I got the truth. I know what to say. This is me. But maybe I'm not supposed to say it. 
maybe for my kids, it might be my wife saying it, or maybe for a friend, I, it may be another friend saying it or someone who has a closer connection with them. You know, I may see it, but that may not necessarily even, mean that I'm the person to, to say it. Even if I have a close connection, I need to think about how are you going to receive this? Mm -hmm. What's the best invite? You know, like Heidi said, is now a good time? Like, I want to tell you yeah. some truth. Do you want to hear it right now? Like, is this a good time? And maybe you even need to think those things before you ask because you know, hey, they've been at work all day and they're going to probably say yes, but I need to just think about all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that sh none of that should preclude you saying the truth. Because some of us are always looking for the perfect time yeah. and the perfect time never comes. What no. we need to do, and I think this is true. And so I think when speaking to our kids, so I think this is all really good advice for us as the adults, because the first person who has to learn how to handle their emotions and handle conflict well is mom and dad. They're the yeah. first two people. I can't be coming in hot on, <laughs> to, towards a four-year-old. Yeah, we're the example. Because we're yeah. the example that teaches them how to handle conflict in the right way. And the thing is, I think, and this is something I've heard from people, but I also kind of understand is that so many parents hide it. And so their kids don't know that it exists. 100%. So they get this misrepresentation that, oh, well, my parents never had conflict or they never disagreed or anything. And so they go into relationships and the second they hit conflict, they think it's bad. That's Whereas right. they, their parents had conflict, but they didn't show them how to appropriately manage and handle it. So they sit there going, oh, wait, you mean conflict is part of relationship? Yes. Yeah. It's well, and not just conflict, <laughs> being mad at each other. Being yeah. mad at each other is normal. My, my kids have seen mommy and daddy mad at each other. They've also seen grandma and grandpa mad at each other. They have yeah. seen, they, but they have seen people who love one another. And people who know, even when they're mad at each other, they're still kind to each other. Yes. That's unfortunately what people don't see is the way I handle conflict is it matters. The conflict is not wrong. How I acted in the conflict. So here's what I would suggest to model good conflict for your kids. Number one, you've got to learn how to apologize well. And you have to apologize for what you did. And what I mean is don't come in and go, hey, I'm sorry that we argued. I'm sorry that things were a little tense in there. The other day, I didn't I didn't name call. I didn't do anything. But I spoke in a way, and this is how I said it to my daughter, uh, my my oldest daughter. She's in the other room. She's mad. I don't even remember what happened, honestly. We just, it, things got tense. But I remember the apology. I went in to her and I said, I am really sorry for the way I spoke to you in the other room. If someone spoke to me the way I just spoke to you, it would be hard for me to be as respectful as you just were. And I'm proud of how respectful you were. And I am very sorry for the way I spoke to you. That is never okay. And I, I want to know, uh, I always want to know that me and you are okay. And of course, at 10, she's like, yeah, you know, of course. But I want to hold that when she's 16 and she's 32, that I'm able to say to her, because I'm going to, and for her, because this does two things. One, it models for her how she should apologize to other people. Instead of, I'm sorry, or I'm sorry you were so annoying that I hit you, right? Which is how teenagers say, I'm sorry that I hit you. I was mad. And this is what we tell. We, when I have them apologize, I say, I'm sorry that I called you this name. I was mad and I wanted to hurt you, but I love you and I'm sorry. 
that's it's specific it's important to be named because how many of us are waiting for mom or dad or a previous boss to apologize for a specific thing and it's like we can't move on because I, I just need to hear that word and i want to teach them in the same thing that that's how they do it the other thing it does is it teaches them dad who you love makes mistakes because and i think we miss this sometimes our kids especially at that age three, five, 10, they idolize us. I have them say it all the time. Daddy never does the wrong thing. Daddy never, and they've seen me do plenty of wrong things, but they think they never does. But it teaches them, hey, daddy does wrong things and I still love him. So when I do wrong things, he probably still loves me. And that's so important to understand that conflict is not the end. Conflict is a is an invitation to go deeper into a relationship. So learning how to apologize well is good. The final thing I want to say, maybe some of us need to hear this, there's a difference between hurt and harm. There's a difference between hurt and harm. I never want to harm anyone. Harm is when you do damage to someone that maybe can't be fixed or can only be fixed with the power of God. But hurt, sometimes that's necessary. So the way I said it to my girls is they said something like, if, if you hurt someone, you don't love them. And I said, that's not true. I said, there are times that you have to say things that hurt people's feelings because you love them. Sometimes there are things you have to do that hurt people's feelings because you love them. And I said, so think about it like this. When you get a shot, does it hurt? Yeah, you know, because they're kids. Yes, shots are the worst thing. I said, but aren't you glad you got that COVID shot? Because we did get COVID later, but it, it was like a breeze for them. And that's what we were able to say to them. You know, that shot, it helped you, it healed you. It wasn't it good. So was the shot harmful? No, but did it hurt? Yes. I said, and you don't know this, but if you get a broken bone and you don't fix it, they have to go in and re-break the bone and reset it so it grows the right way. And does that hurt? Oh, I bet it, oh, it really hurts. But is it for your good? They go, yes. And be able to teach our kids, conflict sometimes hurts, but conflict done the right way, it will still hurt, but it won't harm. It will always be for our good if we do it in a loving way. And so we think this opportunity would be a great chance either for you to talk about that with your kids or to be able to use an example for your kids of, hey, the way we solve problems is not by hurting people and it's not about running away from problems. It's about being willing to be loving in the midst of conflict. And so uh, we're running out of time here. So I just want to say thank you guys for watching this if you made it this far in. Uh, and I hope this has been helpful and not harmful and that it will help you raise your kids to love Jesus and his way of life even more. And we'll see you guys next time.